Shvius Perik Yud, Mishnah Tes, 10.9, the last Mishnah in Shvius. The previous Mishnah focused on the obligations of the lender to relinquish for real the loan and not reclaim it, and even um, to demur and tell someone who wants to pay him back he need not, by letter of the law. Um, now we focus on the, from the perspective of the borrower, whether or not he ought to um, repay the lender now that the loan has formally been relinquished. So, of course, the letter of the law is that he need not. Um, but should he? The Mishnah says, well, if a person who had borrowed money now repays the money that he borrowed, even as we saw in the previous Mishnah, as a gift, as a return gift, because the loan itself, of course, has been annulled, it's gone. Um, when it says, once again, here we mean after Shvius has passed and the loan has been totally annulled. Ruach hacham nocha hemenu. Uh, the rabbis are proud of him. Literally, the words mean the spirit of the rabbis um, are pleased with him. Something like that. So the, the Mishnah is is emphasizing that while there's no strict obligation by letter of the law, it's the right thing to do uh, if one is able to. Um, and the rabbis smile upon such behavior because that's the proper behavior. The purpose a person was created for in this world is um, to earn his place in Olam Haba and not to be a taker. As he should be a giver, he should be one who contributes to society. He shouldn't. Um, the whole purpose of existence, the Ramchal describes, is that a person should not have Sufa, bread of shame. He, could, he should earn his bread and therefore, um, by rights, have something to call his own in Olam Haba. So we're there. To, we're here to emulate Hashem, and just the same way God is a. If you can say, if you could say something positive about God, it would be that He is an independent giver. He is, you know, and indeed. Um, a person ought to be an independent giver to the extent he's able to. So if this person's lot in life is to be um, impoverished and he can't return, so then that's that's fine. That's how it is. But if he could, the borrower did have the money and, and is able to um, return the money that he now has that originated in someone else's pocket, he ought to. And if he does, uh, the rabbis give their blessing to him. They're, they're pleased with his behavior. Um, similarly, a different case, we're now leaving the topic of Shemitah altogether and to discuss two other cases where by strict letter of the law, one is not obligated to follow through on something, but if he does do it, it's the right thing to do. And again, the rabbis are are pleased, they're proud with him. Uh, the Mishnah says, Halovam in Hager, Shnizgari in Banok, Imo. If a person borrows from a convert who has children who converted with him, Lo then the borrower need not return payment to the convert's children. Let me explain. First of all, this has nothing to do with Shvius. We're moved away from Shvius. We're talking about just generic loans, you know, in the middle of the Shvius cycle. In year two, I borrow money from a convert um, who converted with his children. And in year three, um, I want to repay it. But then the person from whom I borrowed, the convert, he dies. So he has heirs. But by a strict letter of the law, um, when a person converts, he is as if he's a newborn child and he has no... Um, Yichas, his his family tree gets a new gets a new trunk. He's not connected to his forebears directly. So that means that technically speaking, at least from the Torah perspective, um, the children of a convert, I guess they converted both. So these converted children are not actually members of the same family tree as their father anymore. Um, each have their own family tree, if you will. And since they're not his legal children, not miyuchas after him, they're not attributed to his line. So then they are not. Um, from the Torah perspective, the legitimate, necessary heirs of the father. 
because they're, they're unrelated to him in a way. So that being the case, by strict letter of the law, a person who borrows from a convert um, whose children also convert don't need to repay the loan to the children because the children aren't really from Torah law or legitimate heirs, but it's the right thing to do. And if one does, Ruach Hacham, Ruach Hacham, the rabbis are proud of him. Um, they have pleasure in, in his proper conduct. Um, just to clarify this, when a, a, a non-Jew does inherits from his father, and the Jew inherits from his father, the case is when you have a convert. When you have a convert, so he, like I described before, starts again a new family tree, if you will, and therefore he's disconnected from his father's family tree and therefore not a direct inheritor. Now, um, just to simplify for a second, let's just say you have a convert. Should a convert inherit from his father? Not this case, just any case. Should, should his if convert inherit his father's ancestral plot or something? A non-Jewish father. So we actually discussed this in the past, um, and we said that, this is in Demai, we discussed it, that the rabbi said that even though Midoraisa from the Torah law, the convert isn't connected to his father and wouldn't be a legitimate heir, Midorabanan, we do allow him to inherit um, from his father. And the reason why is because we're afraid that if that wouldn't be the case, um, the convert would relapse back to essentially like relinquish, renounce his Judaism because he doesn't want to forego whatever inheritance he'd otherwise be entitled to. So the rabbi didn't want that. So we said, okay, so let the child inherit from the father um, rabbinically. <clears throat> so our case here in the Mishnah is where the adult convert had other children, the children converted also. So those children really be- benefit from the status we described before. They should be inheriting from the father, Midrabanan. So if the lender, excuse me, if the borrower repays back to the children as would-be heirs or heirs to Rabbanan, so to speak, to the father, that's where the rabbis... Um, have have a pride and pleasure in the repayments of the loan. Bartonora learns that in the case where the the child wasn't yet born at the time of the father's conversion, um, let's say the child was already conceived by the mother, but then um, the father converted after that conception. So then this child never was entitled to, would have never been entitled anyways, no matter how you slice it, to be an inheritor of the father. And in such a scenario, to pay such a child actually wouldn't be particularly um, gratifying to the Chacham. Okay, the last case, the Mishnah, is talking about, again, something totally different. We're talking here about keeping your word and the rabbis being um, satisfied and proud of that. Um, and the case is where one gives his word to make some kind of acquisition. So we discussed actually a couple of Mishnahs ago um, regarding the, the beehive, that the modes of acquisition, the Kinyanim, are different for metaltalin, chattel, movable objects, um, as compared to karka, you know, real estate, fixed in the ground assets. So when it comes to metalta and movable objects, we said that the way in which one acquires that movable object is by lifting it up or taking it, hagva, taking it. So for example, if I'm selling you my pen, um, and I say I commit to selling you my pen for $10, and you say I commit to buying your pen for $10, um, those words don't do anything. <clears throat> in fact, even when the $10 are handed over, that doesn't do anything. Um, what makes the pen transfer from person A to person B's ownership is when <clears throat> person B takes a hold and picks up that pen. And until then, the transfer hasn't happened. So that being the case, our mission is saying, if people come to a verbal agreement to, to make some sort of exchange, some kind of transaction, um, by letter of the law, they can back out. Um, but if they don't, then the rabbis are happy. Uh, again, the rabbis are um, pleased with that and are proud of that proper behavior. 
inside. When it comes to movable objects, the mode of acquisition always is by taking it. Um, in truth, normally that means lifting it up, but whatever is appropriate is appropriate. You have to take the object which is being transferred, um, not just give money and certainly not just commit it verbally. Sorry, excuse me. And whoever um, sticks to his word and follows through on his commitment to enter the transaction just by verbal commitment, um, even though by letter of law he doesn't have to and he could back out. The rabbis are proud of his activity and, and approve of it because that's the right thing to do. Let me just clarify two important points on this. Um, you may recall we actually discussed previously the idea of um, the curse of the rabbis called Misha Para, um, which is a short for the, it means the one who paid retribution to the generation of the flood will take vengeance on you too, um, So, which is a curse. So Misha Para applies when money has already been given over for the transaction. That is to say, I say, I'll sell you my pen for $10 and you give me the $10. And then I come back tomorrow and say, I changed my mind. Here's your $10 back. So to back out at that point, once you've already given me the money, although again, the pen was never picked up. So the Kenyan didn't happen. It still isn't really my pen. And technically I could back out. But that's terrible. And the rabbi say somebody who does that is subject to the curse of Misha Parah. Um, our case in our Mishnah is where there's no transfer of money at all. It's just we agree verbally that to, we agree, okay, I'll sell my pen tomorrow. You give me $10 tomorrow and we'll meet back here tomorrow for the transaction. So, and then tomorrow when I show up, I say, you know what? I've changed my mind. I don't want to sell it to you. I want to keep my pen. So that's um, within my rights. But if I do follow through despite that and give you, sell you the pen and take the money, um, that is where the rucham no chehemenu. So if you back out once money's been given already, that's already Misha Par, you're subject to a curse. But if you don't back out and once you've just given your verbal commitment, that's already subject to a blessing of, so to speak, of Ruach Chacham No Chaimenu. Just worth noting, Halach Lamaisa Lamaisa. If a person enters into a verbal agreement, um, but then when it's time to carry through on that agreement, he is, he's, um, he would be entering a loss. And once I agree today to sell you my gold bar for whatever it is, $500, but then overnight the value of gold moves drastically. Now, if I follow through on that, sale, I'll, I'll lose money. So then um, it's a mechlokas aposkim if if it's necessarily the right thing to do for me to f- keep to my word, even if it's gonna, if I'm going to lose money. Um, so if that actually happens to you, um, you'll ask Kishala. And with that, Bez Hashem, Salk Masech we finish Masech and Bez Hashem, the next Masech, does Masech Trumos.